Welcome back to another episode of Footsteps of the Messiah. I do have to apologize and ask everyone's forgiveness for being away for so long. I think it's been about a month since we did a recording and a new teaching. And I really have just been overwhelmed with what to do about Cheshvan. For many years, Cheshvan was a month in which very little is taught and very little is uh, shared, uh, but you have to go to enough sources, and you see that actually Heshvan is full of of potential. Heshvan is full of emptiness, quite the oxymoron. So we have a month that is completely devoid of festivals, fast days, observations, celebrations, with the exception of some very important Shabbats. The Weekly parashot include uh, Noah, which is, interestingly enough, um, when the flood actually occurred on Heshvan 17, as we see in the Torah. And uh, there was a significant date that we're going to look at on Heshvan 27 um, that, had, that took place during the, the flood saga. So there are also some very unique things about Heshvan including its name, uh, Het, Sheen, Vav, Nun. Uh, there are some interesting things about the Gematria, and we also have a connection to Sivan, Heshvan and Sivan both end with the same two letters. So we're going to take a look at that, as well as the idea, uh, many Christians like to talk about the, this phrase, New Beginnings. New beginnings, which to me almost seems redundant because a beginning in and of itself is new. And in Judaism, they don't really use that phrase. Uh, they talk about beyond nature. So if seven was the day man was created, and uh, also Sheva, seven, has some other meanings that we'll take a look at, uh, such as oath or uh, week. A week is also known as a Shavua, which is from the same root. Then eight, Shmone, is beyond nature. So all those things I'd like to cover. So let's pray for a moment. Abinu Sheva Shemayim, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share and to hear from our listeners. We thank you, Father, for this month of Cheshvan. And also remember that it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to engage in Torah study, even if it's out of season. And we are here approaching the end of the month of Cheshvan, approaching the next word, Chodesh. So thank you for this time. Thank you for the technology to spread your word and do the work of the kingdom. And I thank you, Father, for every listener, every soul, uh, whether a believer in Yeshua or not, that this would be edifying and help build the Malchut Hashemayim, the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Yeshua, B'Shem Yeshua, Meshichenu, Amen. So thanks again for joining, so let's get started. So I'll go ahead and start with the points that I summarized, and we're going to move on to some other things about Heshvan. It's a pretty fascinating month. So it's pretty interesting that um, one Messianic teacher uh, has spoken about the earth being 
so rattled and shaken from the effects of the flood that Noah and his family experienced that it actually tilted the earth's axis. And I believe this is documented by scientists that they believe that the earth um, was tilted at a slightly different axis at one point in time. And now it is a 365 day year that we're experiencing versus it used to be 360 days. So if you're interested in documentation or further study on that, please write me at footsteps of the Messiah at gmail.com. But if that is true, it's fascinating because we have a teaching in Gematria that the name Satan is Sin Tet Nun, which equals 359. Now, when you add the He, Hasatan, it equals He Sin Tet Nun, which is 359 plus 5, which is 364. Now, the sages teach that Hasatan has the power to harass and accuse the Jewish people or the people of Israel 364 days a year, with the exception of one day. Can you guess what day that is? Okay, if you give up, I'll give you the answer. If you said Yom Kippur, you are correct. So, 364 days a year, or 365 days of the year, minus one, Hasatan has the power to harass the, Jew, the, Israel, the people of Israel. So, even when, if this theory is correct scientifically, that the earth was on a slightly different axis, axis sorry, and that the year used to be 360 days long, and I'll explain why that makes sense in a minute, then that means if he wasn't the Satan prior to the flood, for some reason, if we could find a place where um, he he could have been just a Satan or Satan, then even in that realm, if you take away the hay from his name, uh, Satan only equals 359. So it still could be true, but it's just a theory I'm working with and that I've been looking at with the Gematria. And I just thought it was fascinating that his name, when you take away the word the in Hebrew, which is simply the letter hey, which equals five, it changes to the number of days that the earth used to rotate around one revolution around the, the sun, 359 days, if this axis theory is correct. So I hope you followed that. Uh, if you have any questions about that, feel free to write me again at footstepsofthemessiah at gmail.com. I just thought it was interesting. Um, and the reason I say it makes sense that we would have been prior to the flood in a 360-day cycle around the sun is because uh, the calendar used to be completely lunar. So in the time from creation to the flood, the theory is that the months were exactly 30 days, which is the cycle of the moon. Now it's been calibrated and there are some other words that uh, elude me at the moment and maybe I'll do a podcast on that another time about the calendar and uh, what year I believe uh, in the first three centuries of the common era sometime it was calibrated and, and synchronized with the sun and set so that after Israel no longer had the temple and the temple authority and the Sanhedrin uh, that they still had a way of following the festivals and were on the right uh, cycle for Rosh Chodesh and that seven out of every 19 years, a an extra month, a Dar 2, a Dar Sheni was added so that the festivals landed at the right time. 
So it's a very interesting study and takes more time and more development. But uh, reading articles in places like the Jewish Encyclopedia or Encyclopedia Judaica, um, just look up the article calendar and on Chabad.org. Those are excellent places to look up uh, the origins of the Jewish calendar and where it came from and how it was developed. So moving on, uh, the, there is a Chabad teaching that I found very interesting about the month of Heshvan. And it talks about the similarity between Heshvan and Sivan. So uh, Shimona Tsukernik from Chabad, that's S-H-I-M-O-N-A-T-Z-U-K-E-R-N-I-K, uh, she's a female teacher at Chabad.org, and she does a video called The Month of Heshvan Silent Cleansing. In this video, she speaks about the similarity between Heshvan and Yavan and Sivan. So Heshvan is the month we're in, and Yavan is the name Yud Vav Nun for Greece. And Sivan is the month in which the Torah was given. So basically what she said is that Heshvan uh, starts with the first syllable is this the word for hush or quiet in Hebrew. It was a month of destruction. It was a month uh, that God mourns the loss of life because he had to end all the life on earth and all the creatures, everything he had created since the beginning of time. Um, incidentally, the calculation of the flood is 1,678 years from creation. And... That is um, almost two millennia, so over halfway through the second millennium from creation. And that the Heshvan also has no celebrations. Uh, the flood itself is not memorialized or remembered or observed in, or fasted over in any kind of way, which is unusual, but um, I didn't have time to research that, but I imagine that the sages didn't see fit to put it in the calendar for whatever reason um, because it was a destruction of evil so it's just a quiet month uh, it's a, a month that um, we still see the vav noon in the word heshvan which uh, she says is similar to sivan and yavan so you have these uh, these two letters that keep showing up uh, vav and noon which incidentally add up to 56 uh, I don't have anything for you at present on uh, 56, except that when you flip it around, it spells the Hebrew word new. Like, what else? Like, tell me more. So, she says Yavan is the transmission of human intellect, that Greece was largely about human intellect, and that when in Sivan, the, the third month, oh, sorry, let's see, Nisan Yar Sivan, the third month on the Jewish calendar from the new year of Nisan is about divine consciousness and it was is the month that we celebrate Shavuot which is the month that the Torah was given so Cheshvan there is a, a component of intellect and silent intellect that the Lord that Hashem wants us to understand there is much to be learned here but it is more of a quiet observation without holidays or fast days 
Now, something I hear quite often in Christian thought and sermons is that the number seven uh, means completion. You hear it all the time. And the number eight has to do with new beginnings. And much of that is drawn from uh, ideas and teachings and scripture in the book of Revelation. But what I tend to hear in Jewish thought is that seven is the number of man. It is the number of nature. Uh, it's the order of the weak. It's the order that uh, we naturally have to go through seven days to accomplish a week. And that man was created on the, I take it back, not the number of man. That's six because man was created on the sixth day. But largely the number of nature and Eight is the beyond. Eight is another dimension, and eight is beyond nature. Uh, eight appears, incidentally, 80 times, that's eight zero times, in the King James Version of the Bible. And Heshvan is the eighth month, as we all know. And on the, the Zodiac, which, by the way, I looked up the word Zodiac. I never knew what it originally meant. Um, I mean, I know what the Zodiac is. It's the order of the constellations but it means it comes from latin or greek i believe and it means circle of animals circle of animals so zo zodai i believe is or zoo comes from the the root uh for zoo uh which is animals and diac or iac is circle so circle of animals um, the constellation that connects with Peshvan is the scorpion, which has eight legs, interestingly enough, an arachnid. And the word in Hebrew for scorpion is akrav. That's ayin, kuf, resh, vet, which incidentally in Gematria adds up to 372. But nothing further on that as I did not have time to explore that further. I'm fascinated by the study of the Zodiac, not astrology per se, but the constellations themselves. A Christian author by the name of Ethelbert W. Bullinger published back in 1895 a book called The Witness of the Stars. And I'm going to give you information on that in a moment. It's a fascinating book that shows the stories of the Bible, stories within scripture among the constellations and the sub-constellations. I'm not sure what the exact uh, word is for the minor constellations, maybe. In this book published in 1895, Bollinger demonstrates that the constellations and specifically the signs of the zodiac are actually a perversion of the 12 signs called the Mazarot by Hashem, by God, in the book of Job. Now a little bit more on that book. Uh, Witness of the Stars came out in paperback in 1984, and it's an in-depth study of the constellations and principal stars as they pertain to prophetic truth, including more than 40 charts and diagrams. So a fascinating book on the constellations and what the Lord's original intent was to teach man through the stars. Now we'll cover what uh, Genesis chapter 8 has to say, 7 and 8 actually, about Heshvan, and then we'll get a little bit more into the name of the month. So Genesis 7, Bereshit 7, uh, verse 6. Now Noah, Noah was 600 years old, and the flood came upon 
came water upon the land, so Noah, his sons, his wife, and the sons' wives entered the ark because of the floodwaters. And we also see in First or Second Peter where he's doing a midrash on Noah. He numbers them as eight people. He specifically says eight people restarted or kind of a reset or a reboot to the population of the world. So Noah, his wife, his wife, and his son's wives entered the ark because of the flood waters. After the seven, jump to verse 10, after the seven days, the flood waters were upon the land. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on this day, all, and the phrase on this day, I believe, is etzim hayom hazeh, in the strength or the bone of this day. It's a very significant phrase in Hebrew that you find in a few other places. And all the water sources of the great deep burst open and the windows of the sky were opened. So in the second month, the 17th day of the month. Now, how do we know that is Heshvan? Well, because the Hebrew calendar was until Exodus 12, uh, starting, it started with Tishri. So Tishri, Heshvan, Kislev, Tevet, Shavat, Adar, Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz, Av, Ilul. Hope I said all those names right. That was the order. Tishri Heshvan. So Tishri was one. Rosh Hashanah's day is month number one. Heshvan was month number two. It wasn't until after Exodus 12 that Hashem, that the Lord, changed the beginning of the year to start with Nisan. And thus sort of rotated, if you will, the numerical numbers and order of the calendar so number one tishri changed to number seven number seven which was nisan changed to number one and everything else fell into order so if heshvan if tishri became number seven heshvan is now eight and that's what we call it now the eighth month uh, we still honor rosh hashanah as the beginning of the world as the jewish new year for the counting of the civil year uh, but uh, even though we don't celebrate Nisan with any kind of festival for the new year, it is the the number the month number one for the purpose of counting, for instance, among other things, a king's reign. King's reigns were counted from Nisan. Uh, so anyway, moving on, we move on, we jump to Genesis Bereshit uh, chapter 8, verse 13. Now, don't be confused if you're reading Genesis chapter 8, verse 5. It says the waters went on, uh, sorry, verse 4. The ark came to rest in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month. Now, that is Nisan because, remember, we're pre-Exodus 12. So, you have to remember, Tishri is the first month, Heshvan is the second month, and so on. So, when it says seventh month here, and you have a lot of, of numbers here, and it doesn't call the months by name, so you have to know the scriptures are written as if you already know the calendar backwards and forwards and the festivals and such. Uh, because a lot of days are mentioned here, even though the Torah and the festivals weren't given until Leviticus 23. So, the ark came to rest in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month. Incidentally, that is first fruits. That's Bikurim, Nisan 17. That's the same day that Israel came up out of the Reed Sea or the Red Sea. And that's also the same day that Yeshua was resurrected in the Gospels. Now, the waters went on decreasing until the 10th month. In the 10th month on the first day of the month, which would have been Tammuz 1, the mountains appeared, the tops of the mountains appeared. And then we jump to verse Chapter 8, verse 13, it was in his 601st year, 
in the first month, on the first day of the month, that would have been Rosh Hashanah, that the waters had dried up from the land. Then Noah removed the cover of the ark, and he looked, and behold, the surface of the ground had dried up. By the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the land was dry. That's Heshvan 27. So, the incidentally, the first day of the month, of the first month that the waters had dried up from the land, that is Rosh Hashanah. And uh, Noah removed the cover of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground had dried up. And so then um, the whole month passes, and then another 27 days to bring us to Heshvan 27 until the land was completely dry. So it took about 57 days for the land to completely dry from the time Noah removed the cover from the ark. So now we're going to take a look at some... Facts about the month of Heshvan, every person should know, every student of the Bible, let's say. So this is from Chabad.org. And like the names for the other months used by contemporary Jews, this month's current name came with us from Babylon. However, there are two variations of this name. The proper name recorded in the Talmud is and used in legal documents is Mar Heshvan. Mar means bitter, by the way. And while its common parlance is truncated down to Heshvan, what happened to the Mar? Noah's common explanation is that Mar means bitter, and who wants a bitter taste in their mouth? So that leads us to another article, which I'll cover in a second, called, Is This Month Heshvan or Mar Heshvan? So, uh, point number two of ten, it's month number eight and number two. The Jewish year has at least two quote-unquote heads or beginnings, Nisan in the spring and Tishri in the fall. This month is the eighth month from Nisan, and the second month after Tishrei, when we observe the high holidays and the joyous month of Sukkot. This month is one of settling back, meaning Heshvan, is one of settling back into a routine in which the inspiration of the previous month is extended into the long, cold winter ahead. Point number three. Its zodiac is Scorpio. The Mazal, or zodiac of this month, is a crop, Scorpio, which we already spoke about. The sages say that this is appropriate for a month that follows the judgment of the previous month, Tishri, which has the sign of Libra, or scales. Those who fell short in judgment now experience the stinging results of their misdeeds. Ah, oh, it's fascinating. The stinging of the scorpion. If you didn't repent. And that also comes from Midrash Pesikta Rabati 20. According to another tradition, it is a time of protection for Israel. Uh, Midrash Megillat Esther 3.1 As prophesied by Ezekiel and you, son of man, fear them not and fear not their words. You sit on scorpions. Ezekiel 2.6 That also reminds me of the place where Hashem says in the Torah, I will give you power to tread upon uh, serpents and scorpions. No, I misspoke. I apologize. That's from Luke 10, verse 19. And from the, uh, let's see, we'll go with New King James here. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the power of the enemy is pictured here as symbolic. It's symbolized in serpents and scorpions. Now, that doesn't mean go step on serpents and scorpions. It uh, just means that there is a spiritual dimension here. And there's <clears throat> that, that would obviously uh, necessitate a bigger study about the word serpent, which we know uh, in Hebrew is nachash. That's one word. Um, 
and scorpion is Akra. So uh, if that interests you, uh, those would be the first uh, Hebrew words to begin with. So, point four is Solomon finished the temple in Heshvan. Now, the other month, this is a month that's pretty unusual because it has three names. Heshvan, Mar Heshvan. And in the uh, story of Solomon finishing the temple, it is actually called Bul, B-U-L, or Bet Vav Lamed. So, after seven years of construction, the first holy temple in Jerusalem was completed by Shlomo's workers in the month Bul which is the eighth month. Now, by that time, this is 1 Kings 6, verse 38, so it's after Exodus, and they're calling Cheshvan the eighth month at this point because the calendar has changed in its numerical number, in its numbering. The word bull is apparently related to the word for withering, and in Cheshvan, the branches and stubble in the field begin to wither. Number five, the great flood began and ended. The sages provide us with two possible timelines for when the great flood took place. According to Rabbi Eliezer, according to Rabbi Eliezer, the rain began to fall on the 17th day of this month, in the 600th year of Noah's life. The Talmud explains that this was the natural time for rain to fall, but the sheer volume of the deluge and the fact that hot springs rose from the earth as well were supernatural. The Talmud concludes that the Jewish sages, as opposed to the wise men of the Gentiles, sided with the tradition of Rabbi Eliezer. After more than a year aboard the ark, Noah and the animals exited the ark on the 27th of Heshvan. And by the way, the tradition of Rabbi Eliezer can be found in the Talmud Rosh Hashanah 11b. So, point number six. In Israel, we began asking for rain on Heshvan 7. Starting on Shemini Atzeret, we begin mentioning rain in our three time or the thrice daily prayers. So the the prayer, the the three portion prayers or the three sessions of prayers, daily prayers that are done in the Jewish calendar, the daily Jewish uh, cycle. However, we do not actually pray for rain until later in the land of Israel. This starts on Heshvan seven which in temple times was the date when the last of the pilgrims would have arrived home from Jerusalem. So no one would be inconvenienced by the rainfall. So they went into these prayers knowing God was going to answer them, expecting God to answer them. So why would you pray for rain if you don't want rain until after you get home? Because so many people have a long pilgrimage to make back home, a long travel by foot or animal to return home. So you don't want it raining on your way. So in faith, we're going to wait to pray for rain until we get home. Outside of Israel, we began praying for rain somewhat later in early December, at the time when rain begins to fall in Babylon, the historic center of the diaspora communities. And diaspora just means the, the dispersed communities of Israel after the Second Temple era ended when the, with the destruction of the temple in 70 Common Era. So some fast... Bahab in this month. That word I just read is B-E-H-A-B, which I have not heard of, nor do I recognize. So I'm going to be learning along with you when I read this. There is an ancient Ashkenazi custom to fast on the first Monday, Thursday. Oh, sorry, on the first Monday, Thursday, and then the following Monday of the Jewish months of Heshvan and Iyar, shortly following the Sukkot and Passover holidays. These fasts serve to atone 
for any advertence, sorry, any inadvertent sin that may have been committed as a result of over-the-top lightheadedness and merriment during the week-long holidays when people are off for work for an extended period of time. Due to the special nature of the months of Tishri and Nisan, these fasts are postponed until the following months. So I believe Bahab means bet, which is equal to two, hay, which is equal to five, and bet, which is equal to two. So meaning um, the first Monday would be day two of the week, since Sunday is day one. Thursday is the fifth day of the week, and the following Monday would be the second day of the following week. So 252 is what uh, Bahab stands for, bet, hey, bet. If you understand Gematria, if not, just look up a Gematria table and it'll show you what all of the Aleph bet, uh, all the letters in the Aleph bet stand for, uh, beginning with Aleph equal to one. So, um, point eight about Heshwan, it can be 29 or 30 days. The Hebrew months generally alternate in length. One has 29 days, the next has 30, etc. The exceptions are Heshvan and the following month of Kislev, which can have can A, both have 29, B, both have 30, or C, have 29 and 30 respectively, allowing for the Jewish months to be calibrated just so. Now, Rachel, point number nine, Rachel's yard site is on the 11th of Heshvan. Heshvan is commonly observed as the yard site, the anniversary of the passing of our matriarch, Rachel, known to Jews all over as Mama Rochel. Well, I've never heard it called that. But uh, Rachel Imanu would be Hebrew for Rachel, our mother. And according to tradition, she was buried along the road so that she could weep for her descendants as they were led off to exile. A resting place located in modern-day Beit Lechem is a magnet for prayers, especially on and around Heshvan 11. And for more on that, you can read the article on Chabad.org about Rachel's tomb. And for the sake of time, I'm going to skip point 10. It's just the birth of the, I, don't, I shouldn't say just, please forgive me, if you um, are a supporter of Chabad or the famous Chabad and Lubavitch rabbis. But uh, Rabbi Shalom Dover of Lubavitch was born on the 20th of Heshvan, so... Uh, it goes a little bit into his life there. So moving on to another interesting article about Heshvan. Uh, as most of you know, uh, the month of Heshvan comes after summer vacation and the busyness and excitement of the high holidays. And uh, this article explains a little bit about uh, what happens in the uh, just, uh, I guess, the seasonal cycle after the high holidays are over. So this article is called Appreciating the Month of Heshvan by Shalvi Waldman. So she says, I'm fascinated by the balance between being and doing. It's easy to feel important, significant when, when you are accomplishing something. When you are done with your doing, you can look back and take pride and satisfaction in having achieved something. At least for a moment, you can feast your eyes on the project you have completed for work. The Western world certainly has great respect for doing and accomplishing. Our accomplishments make our bank account stable and homes pleasant. On the other hand, what would a life look like if it were only about doing with no emphasis on being? I would define being as those moments when you just are. You stop trying to accomplish long enough to appreciate what you have. It could be a long walk with your spouse or a moment in the playground with your children. 
I look forward to a moment of being each Shabbat when I light my candles. After rushing around the whole day to prepare the food and clean the home, I stop. Together we wave our hands in the air, sending light to family and friends as we light the Shabbat candles and strike a match, lighting the flames, and send blessings to our family and friends in faraway places around the world. In that moment, there is nothing left to accomplish. We have worked hard, but our work is done. Whoever said that a woman's work is never done was right, with one exception. We can decide that for now we will take a break from doing and just be. And for that moment, in my mind and heart, the work both in the home and outside of it simply do not exist. For now, time is mine to just be. Personally, I'm more comfortable doing. Really, I like to do. Doing allows me to join enjoy the moments of being later. It is much harder to enjoy moments of quiet when I can't look back at a week and mentally take note of what I have accomplished. When I am doing, I am a partner in creation. God created the world and I'm creating a reality within my life and my home through my doing. In the time of King Shlomo, Solomon, the Jewish people labored for seven, the tribes of Israel labored for seven years to build the holy temple in Jerusalem. Their work was finally completed in the month of Heshvat. The holy temple epitomized the balance between doing and being. There were many detailed commandments about how the temple must be built and how one must go about bringing a sacrifice called a korban in the temple. A pilgrim would spend the year raising his flocks and tending his orchards and vineyards before choosing the choicest of his accomplishments to bring to the temple. Yet the goal of all the work and preparation was the moment of being that happened during the korban. A soul that had done all it must to prepare to come close to its creator could for a moment just bask in the light and the depth of that connection. When we stop the doing and just be, we acknowledge that there is an internal factor to our lives. The six days of the week have been compared to the six directions, right, left, front, back, up, and down. Interestingly enough, I'm just going to break here from the article to say those are the same directions that we wave the lulav and the etrog at Sukkot, indicating uh, six days of the week and six millennia until the Messiah returns, as well as um, the six days of every week of the coming year until we get to wave the lulav and etrog again. So it's as if in those, those wavings, we're remembering the etrog and the lulav as symbol of our our heart, our eyes, our ears, and our spine, uh, things essential to Torah study and to walking in faith with Hashem every day of the week. So there's something you can remember and, and recall the next time you get to celebrate on Sukkot, the waving of the lulav and the etrog, that it's uh, cause, causing you to remember that the six days of the week. Uh, and you do wave them, uh, I believe, every day except uh, for the the first uh, the sh uh, the Shabbat of Sukkot, as well as uh, I'm I don't believe you wave them on Shabbat on the first day either. But uh, be that as it may, I'll continue with the article. The seventh Shabbat is the inner dimension. On the holy Shabbat, we are able to see and acknowledge that life pushes and pulls us in many directions in order to enhance our inner essence and divine connection. So while doing may be important, it is only while we are being that we assess where our doing has gotten us and where we truly need to be. Still, like I said, I'm a doer. To be honest, there have been times in my life that my doing has gotten out of hand. In my rush to accomplish, I have pushed aside my nearest and dearest. 
family members, and friends. Now I am glad that no matter how crazy things get, I have a weekly reminder that doing is not the end goal in and of itself. Over the years, the ability to stop doing and to, to be, to just be and sit, has seeped into my consciousness enough that while I may be feeling very driven and enthusiastic about an important project, I'm able to stop myself and go into just being quote-unquote just being mode when my children rush in the door and are excited to tell me about their day at least sometimes so i love the month of Cheshvan. all my schedules and lists come out and everything that was pushed aside for summer vacation and the holiday rush finally gets my full attention perhaps i tell you i'll tell you more about it another time but for now i've got things to do Sorry about that pause there. I thought I had paused it to jump to another article. So we're going to read Back to Normal, the month of Mar Cheshvan by Sarah Blau, again from Chabad.org. It's interesting how all these articles have been by female um, writers and teachers. But I'm going to jump down to about halfway uh, through the article. Uh, we all have another dimension to us. There's the spiritual part within us that has genuine thoughts and emotions it is called the godly soul this soul is granted a vacation once a year during the first month of the year tishri the landscape is called filled with high holidays and an assortment of mitzvot a veritable feast for the soul the soul feels the connection to our creator without a smokescreen interfering its essence is revealed in contrast to such a luminous month tishri is followed by the month of cheshvan a month where the soul feels like it is permanently seeing Behind darkened sunglasses, how should the soul cope with the grind of daily life without the spiritual heights and inspiration of the holiday season? A small town in Russia had the answer. At the closing of the final holiday of the month, Simchat Torah, the rabbis in the city of Lubavitch would proclaim, Ve'Yaakov halach ledarko, and Yaakov went on his way. Yaakov's journey was symbolic of every Jew's return to normal life. The name Yaakov, ya has roots in the word ekev or heal. The heal connotes lifelessness, serving as a fitting metaphor for the routine and the regular. How should one go about the transition from holiday to workday? In his way, in God's way. The 11 remaining months of the year are the majority of one's life, and they are meant to be utilized for both function and purpose. God's intention is that we infuse the delight of vacation into our everyday activities bringing meaning and holiness to every aspect of our lives. Our source of inspiration? Well, the mental picture formed throughout the holiday, which serves to uplift us at a glance. Much like a camel who can drink 30 gallons of water and then store it as fat for a long trek ahead, with a little bit from his reservoir being enough to sustain him. It's good to be home being able to access spiritual heights using physical means. Let's make the coming months worth it. I'm just going to read one more excerpt before we wrap up here from an article by Yosef Y. Jacobson called Souls in the Rain from Chabad.org. And it goes through the symbolism of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, and Shemini Atzeret. And then the last paragraph he calls 
Hashvan, the ordinary month. The honeymoon comes to an end, meaning the high holidays, and the excitement, and Sukkot, of course, and the excitement begins to fade. Now the marriage becomes about caring for each other, the marriage between us and God, or Israel and Hashem, that he comes to celebrate with us um, between Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret. So the marriage becomes about caring for each other and demonstrating trust and loyalty as we work through the daily grind of life. Out of the 12 months in the Jewish calendar, the only one lacking a single festive day immediately follows the high holiday season. The Hebrew month of Heshvan is the time to build a genuine relationship with our marriage partner in our everyday lives. This is the time to discover the joy born out of a continuous relationship with Hashem. So uh, thank you for learning with me. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to actually teach and learn so much more, more than I have probably since I became a student of Judaism and the Bible in a Jewish context and Messianic Judaism in 1991. Uh, this year, I feel like I've learned more than more about Cheshvan than ever before, but only because I, I decided to seek it out. Uh, it wasn't because it wasn't there. It wasn't because it was beyond me. Uh, just nobody really teaches about it. Um, there's a great uh, YouTube, uh, I guess you would call it a podcast or a video cast uh, of uh, teaching by uh, Christine Vallis, I believe. I'll get you her name here in a second. And she does a fantastic Rosh Chodesh and monthly teaching. And I believe Rabbi uh, Schneider, um, also a Messianic teacher, uh, teaches about uh, the months. And I'm not sure if he has a Heshvan teaching, but let me get you Christine's information here real quick. Um, her YouTube channel is just her name, Christine Vallis, V-A-L-E-S. And she does monthly teachings with a chalkboard, uh, quite an accomplished artist and pretty good teacher. So uh, she is. She does come from a Christian combined with Messianic perspective. And um, I even learned some things about Heshvan and uh, Kislev and Tibet this year that I hadn't heard before. So check hers out too. And I just thank you for joining me. One last epiphany or I guess... Uh, revelation that I had about Heshvan this year was that, so it is the eighth month, and it's leading into the second Sukkot, or the Sukkot of Fire, which is also a festival of dedication, as we all know, Hanukkah, in month number nine. Now, what's fascinating about that is it leads us leads us up an entire 30 days without any festivals, and, uh, and then an additional 25 in the month of Kislev. So we really have 55 days from the end of Tishri from Rosh Chodesh, or the new moon of, of uh, Heshvan, all the way to Hanukkah. And Hanukkah has a dimension that connects to 8 and 9, and takes us all the way back to Sukkot. Uh, now, if you count up the, the days in the end of the book of Daniel, uh, you do arrive, I think, uh, I'll have to look up the number here for you. Give me just a second. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, from the time that the daily burnt offering is taken away, an abomination of desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. Happy is the one who keeps waiting and reaches the 1,335 days. So I believe that the 1,335 days, when you count from the uh, point in time that this time period starts with, uh, causes you to arrive at Hanukkah. And I believe uh, that uh, Yeshua will rededicate the third temple in the Olam Haba, 
in the Messianic age on Hanukkah of the year 6008 or 6000. Yeah, probably 6008 would make sense. Um, so that being said, friends, I just want to wrap up and also uh, encourage you to, to check out our other podcast and also Footsteps of the Messiah will be bringing you soon the uh, coming months of Tevet and Kislev and hopefully we'll have God willing one uh, per month for the rest of this year and maybe even some special teachings about unique topics feel free to give us any feedback on our Facebook page or directly by email footsteps of the Messiah at gmail.com may be blessed and encouraged and may the Lord reveal to you that Yeshua is the true Messiah he has come once and he will come again my blessings and Baruch Habab Shemaronai. God bless you and Shalom.